Welcome back to the Women of Marvel podcast, where the women of Marvel assemble to talk all things Marvel and more. I'm Adri Cowan. I'm the social media manager. I'm Sana Amanat, director of content and character development. I'm Emily Shaw, assistant editor. And I'm Judy Stevens, producer. I don't know why Adri just started laughing, but welcome back to the Women of Marvel podcast. Like, 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 I don't even know what I was doing exactly. I think I thought there was more to say about my title. I don't know. I, I just thought like, I had such not a not long that. title. I'm throwing people off because there's like four well, words everyone in my in title. Here, also, everyone in here is like a director, and I'm like, assistant. Oh, Drop right. the mic. No. I'm not trying to feel sorry for myself, guys. Just I think that's why I had a weird face. We're like Maybe. 10 years older than you. What? No, what? that is not true. No. You're like, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm eight years old, you guys. It's hard to tell. I'm a very mature voice for my age. So I realized as I was assembling these ladies that we haven't talked to you guys, as all four of us in a room, in a while. We've had some great interviews with all the Women History Month special creators, and we've got some exciting interviews um, upcoming. We had Clark Gregg last week, and we've got some Daredevil actresses upcoming after this podcast. So I figure we'll just sort of like state of the state, state of the union, whatever that thing is where we talk what? about what we're doing. <laughs> no one knows what you're talking about, Oh, Judy. state of the union address. Yeah. <laughs> isn't sta- Daredevil isn't there- state of the union. Yeah. Yes. We're so doing. we're going to talk about what we, we are doing currently as we ramp up for con season, Secret Wars, and all that jazz. And we're going to give you guys a little look into what Daredevil um, we're going to talk a little bit about who Daredevil is, um, some good reads as we get excited for the Netflix series. Spring is in the air, actually, for reals. There's, the weather is nicer, uh, and around the same time, there's a lot of new things happening at Marvel. Um, we are in the midst of uh, sort of uh, the, our, the Secret Wars. The big event is kicking off very, very soon, and we're in the midst of sort of planning what happens for the next year at Marvel Comics. Um, we actually have an editorial summit coming up, which is what we'll be talking about. Yes. But we can't tell you anything about it. Also, it hasn't happened yet, because yeah. the editorial summit is tomorrow. But yes. we're all, it's on the brain, um, at least for Sana and I. I don't know so much about Adrian and Judy, nope. but it will be on everyone's brain soon, because all of our titles will be Secret Wars titles. And, dun, dun, dun. and we will have a whole episode about that coming up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much been occupying all of, of our time in the comics. Yeah, side. And, and we've been trying to, from like the outward Marvel.com place, to educate people on the Secret Wars titles just to make sure that people aren't confused because it's a really intricate event that's happening. Mm-hmm. So um, if you guys have any questions and you're listening and you're like, what the heck do I do with Secret Wars? What should I pick up? What, what are these three different... Little titles within the secret world, like Battle World and all the other things. Last days, yeah. The, the war zones, you know, all those things. We obviously have to sort out some <laughs> of our information here as well. But yes, there we will provide a guide for everyone, an intro to Secret Wars, because yes, it definitely requires a bit of direction in order to figure out, you know, what titles to pick up. Well, the one thing I will say, I mean, we have a lot of stuff going on this spring. We've got, obviously, Secret Wars happening, uh, and all of our amazing movies will be coming out. And then, of course, Daredevil, which is uh, launching uh, today in in the future, basically, for us, (laughs) considering. Um, But it's it's sort of such a great time because you have sort of all the 
the things that everyone loves about Marvel Comics, all of the stories and all the various forms that we tell it are sort of coming to fruition around now. Um, so for us, I'm personally very excited about Secret Wars in general because I feel like it's everything that you want to see in a Marvel comic is happening at the same time. There's so many different types of stories. Like if you're a fan or if you're, you're just kind of coming into Marvel comics for the first time, there is something for everyone. And we take a lot of... Uh, we we are definitely playing with um, a lot of fire in this story in these stories. Um, so when we focus on that Secret Wars podcast, we'll give you a sort of a a to do list. Does not sound like homework, but where to go, what to read, what we recommend. Um, obviously, Emily and I work on a certain uh, certain titles, um, but uh, I'm personally very excited about doing Carol Core, Captain yeah. Marvel and the Carol Core which is really, like, fan-created, essentially. Um, but, yeah, so we'll dive into that uh, at the next podcast. But for this podcast, what will we be talking about, Judy Stevens? Well, there's this character called Daredevil, uh, a.k.a. Matt Murdock. So we want to give you sort of an intro to the main characters within, um, within the comics and also who are going to be pivotal characters within the series on Netflix, and sort of like a um, a what to read to get caught up. Um, we've got a handy-dandy guide online, which we will link to when we post this podcast, so you guys should look for that. Um, Sana has it right now. She's looking it over. She's going to pick a couple to uh, talk to you guys about. But first and foremost, I just, I just threw that at her. <laughs> She's extremely prepared. <laughs> first and foremost, who is Matt Murdock? So, uh, Daredevil was created by Stan Lee and uh, Bill Everett in 1964. Um, Daredevil number one uh, came out then, and it has been more or less a continuing series since then. Um, different, obviously, a wide range of creators have been on this book, have, have spun his story, like, all over the place. And when Stan and Bill first wrote this in New York City, when, when they lived it, Hell's Kitchen was this... Uh, sort of decaying, crime-ridden section of the city. Um, and for those who don't live in New York City, Hell's Kitchen is predominantly from 23rd Street to about, like, 57th Street on the west side. So we're talking where all the old docks used to be. Um, there's a lot of industry. Uh, it's a lot. There's a lot of um, buildings and train lines and all these things. Um, Penn Station is very importantly, pivotally in the middle of all this. And so when you would exit Penn Station in the old classic design, you would walk right into sort of the uh, the the crime and the the underground of the city. Um, so it's it's definitely like that's setting the tone of what you guys will see in the series and what you'll see um, in the comics is that Daredevil is protecting his city. So when Matt was young, uh, he was uh, he, he actually helped save a man from a uh, crash, and this uh, chemical got all over his face and his body and basically made him blind. But not only did it take his eyesight away, but it gave him sort of superhuman senses. We don't recommend repeating this action. <laughs> don't try this at home. So he can hear much. He can hear like your heartbeat. He can hear farther. He can smell things. 
That doesn't sound like the best <laughs> sense. So basically, he has heightened senses. You could get into all the details. All the heightened senses, except for sight. Except for sight. Except he did develop radar senses. So even though he can't necessarily see, he can see the shapes of things. And sort of all of his collective sensory knowledge that he's collecting um, ends up creating these shapes. And that's how he gets around. Similar to echolocation. And the cool thing... But the current run, and Sonic can speak a little bit more to this, is um, that Mark Wade and Paulo Rivera, Paolo Rivera and then Chris Somney yeah. really delved into the visuals of how it looks when his um, senses, are, senses are heightened. So that's a really fun and interesting, unique like aspect of his character that's been explored in the current series. Yeah. And we'll also talk about like how that developed. Like you think about Daredevil as a character. Um, he's a very dark, melodramatic, uh, violent character. And um, what's happening right now in the current one with sort of Mark Waid at the helm is, uh, is a flip from what's come before. Because what's come before is this young kid who gets blinded at a young age. He's um, forced to sort of overcome these disabilities and not only like live in a world where he's blind, but also start you know, fighting as a superhero. Um, and on top of having a very dark past with, you know, a father who could barely make ends meet, a mother who had left him at a very young age. Um, so there's a lot of internal conflict in his life in addition to the external conflict. But I think that's what makes him such an interesting character because of the fact that he has to deal with all of these things. Um, and at the same time, being a lawyer, there's obviously um, a, a really interesting conversation to be had about what it means uh, to... To, to fight for justice and what the concept of blind justice actually means. You know, he's fighting his daredevil on the streets to find justice, but then he's also in the court in the courthouse um, doing the exact same thing, but in very, very different ways, um, where to the point that some people might think that daredevil uh, pushes the limits of what is okay, sort of pushes the ethical limit to an extent, whereas Matt Murdock cannot. Um, yeah, no, and I think that a really seminal run on Daredevil that really helped define the kind of anti-hero stance that he now takes in the modern version was Frank Miller's run, and he really took it in a darker direction, in a grittier direction, and I don't know specifically, but it seems to me that based on what I have seen of the show, that that seems to be what they're picking up on for the Netflix series, so... Um, so and we'll, also what Wade has been picking up on yeah. in this series. And that I would recommend reading Frank Miller and John Romita Jr.'s run, The Man Without Fear. Uh, sort of gives you a good rundown of what the feel of the, the series is about. Um, but just in its own right, it's just fantastic. And Frank Frank Miller's take on Daredevil in general, um, at least for me, is was sort of the who, who I understood Daredevil to be and who I still kind of understand Daredevil to be. Um, but highly recommend reading that. And then also, uh, my favorite, probably, uh, Daredevil run is uh, called Born Again, um, by Frank, also by Frank Miller. Um, it is a really great take on what happens to Daredevil when he can't be Daredevil. Um, it's a little bit... It's a little d down and depressing, um, but it's very much about him and his relationship with Karen Page um, and sort of uh, how he 
tries to combat the villains in his life. Um, I, and it's also just beautiful. So we've been mentioning a couple other characters that are very important to Matt. And um, one of them, obviously, is Foggy Nelson. Foggy and Matt both met um, at law school, um, became really good friends. And when they graduated, they together um, uh, went and started their own law practice. And so that's really important because they're both about representing those who, uh, you know, don't have the money or the power in this crime-ridden city, you know, to obviously defend themselves. And so Foggy is this character almost, like in some points he is the comedic relief in such a yeah. dark and, and, you know, depressing series. But Foggy is always there for Matt no matter what. And, and you'll definitely see that in the Netflix series. And I do think that that is the interesting thing about Daredevil that's been relatively consistent since probably, I don't know, Miller maybe before, is this darker, more depressing sometimes tone that the story can have and kind of dancing around not going so depressing that people don't want to read it anymore, <laughs> but definitely like playing with really dark themes and playing with Matt, you know, down on his luck, things not going his way. And you see that kind of swing back and forth throughout all the writers who come onto Daredevil. Like when it gets too dark, you know, people try and take a more optimistic tone and I think Wade has really struck a balance in between those two places and which is what's made his run so successful and mm -hmm. so long uh, yeah <laughs> well in, in Daredevil the all of the books are really a grounded character in this universe um, where you could get you know celestial beings and and things elsewhere um, he's really like on the streets you're literally in this in a city and you're experiencing a lot of real life problems alongside yeah. of all of his well, stories. Well, this is sort of, and we have a few different types of quote unquote street level books, and Daredevil is sort of one of our prominent ones. And the idea here is obviously, you know, if you're new to Marvel Reader, um, we have all different types of books out there. And um, they, some of them can be categorized as sort of those big blockbuster books like Avengers. And then there's um, comics like Daredevil, which is very much meant to be like the ground's eye view of the Marvel Universe in terms of what's actually happening the day to day in that bodega where people are running around and what it looks like for sort of that common person. And Daredevil, in a lot of senses, is sort of the common man's hero. Um, and the, because of the fact that he is, you know, being a lawyer day to day and then going at home and fighting crime on the streets. And he's in a place that looks familiar. He's not in the middle of space. He is um, he is on the street corners, which sounds horrible. I just realized as I said that. <laughs> um, in a non-prostitution <laughs> He is on the street corners. He's really facing to organized crime and big industry kind of in the same fell swoop where we can start talking about his major villain in in the books, Judy. Which is Wilson Fisk, Kingpin. And, you know, Kingpin is, is a character that originated in Amazing Spider-Man um, uh, years ago, but has become a, a, a prominent villain for all New York-based superheroes, but predominantly Daredevil. Um, Kingpin owns this crime um, empire that permeates the city, uh, and he's at all points of time, you know, all the things that he is doing, Daredevil is trying to stop him from doing, you know, such as prostitution and, and selling, um, you know, selling people. And I'm actually really referring to things that are happening in the series. 
Uh, We're just really impressed that you looped it back to prostitution in a way that made sense. Well done, Judy. As, as the New York history buff, the reason why Hell's Kitchen became a prominent place to be was because they closed the five points in the late 1800s. But that's besides the point. Um, uh, so at Kingpin is, is this large... Um, he's drawn very, I mean, he is, he's drawn large. Yeah, he's a big fat guy. <laughs> <laughs> and he's bald. And he's always usually wearing like a, a, a super white coat and yeah. with his cane clinking as he walks. And what I love about their relationship, and I think Daredevil has had a lot of great heroes, including Stiltman, who is Steve Blacker's <laughs> favorite, favorite villain. But what yes. abilities does Stiltman have? Uh, he can walk on stilts. That <laughs> is very threatening. good, actually. Yeah. I can't, I mean. You have an, a bird's eye view of everything, so yeah. really that gives it's you tactical balance. advantage. They do bring um, back Stiltman in a couple of issues of Wade, I think it was Wade and Rivera's run. Rivera, He's like, look at me, I'm going to chase you. Oh wait, no, I can't, because I'm on my stilts. Yeah. <laughs> It's pretty. It's pretty great, but there there have been some formative um, villains, and I think Wilson Fisk is that the, the the one that will never stop plaguing Daredevil because of the fact, because of how they view their city should be, the perception of you know Hell's Kitchen of New York City, um, and their very sort of opposing views of the way sort of order is is created and um, what it means for each of. For everyone who lives within within sort of the, the its walls, um, so I think there's uh, a lot of they they will never let go of each other, and I think that's something with in the entire Daredevil's run since Wilson has been introduced. That's something that um, Matt has always been that has always been plaguing Matt is that as much as he he hates him. He sort of needs him. He sort of needs that counterbalance because because of sort of this darkness inside of him. That's that's the one thing that he's pushing against because we don't know how far Matt is actually willing to go. Um, they, they both represent ideas too. I mean, Daredevil and Matt Murdock both represent justice in its truest form, like on on two different levels. And then he Kingpin kind of represents going against all that he believes in, and they're like these ideologies that are representative, and they're always going to be fighting each other. So yeah. I think that's an important thing to note, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Another, want to just throw this out there, another uh, Daredevil villain who I actually really like, Typhoid Mary. She's sort of, uh, I mean, I guess she's sort of a villain, but sometimes not. Um, she has a multiple personality disorder, um, and at some point, one of her personalities is actually dating Matt Murdock, <laughs> which is which is very interesting. But um, she was introduced by Anne Nesenti, uh in the Daredevil run right after Frank Miller's run ended. Uh, who Anne Nesenti, who we interviewed a few weeks ago, I think there's a podcast up there. Um, but I personally loved her because it was very much um, this. You know, they created this new female character who couldn't really be put in one box. Like literally, she had so many different personalities, and yet Matt was also drawn to her because um, Matt sort of had different personalities in the sense that he was Matt Murdock, he was Daredevil, he was you know trying to be good, but at the same time, sometimes using overly violent tactics to get there. Um, but that is uh, God. I don't remember the actual issue number, but um, Daredevil run right after by by Anna Senti. I believe it was like. Issue 150, no, not 158, 180 something. Anyway, 
Uh, this will be posted. Yes, <laughs> we'll post all this. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's on this list, but uh, is it Yellow Daredevil or is it just called Yellow? I think it's just called Yellow. Daredevil Yellow, yeah. That, yellow. It's a mini series, um, sort of like a flashback into Daredevil's past, is also a really great read. Um, obviously, when you first see Daredevil in the 60s, he's wearing his red and yellow costume. Um, which is, you know, obviously very m- monumental that period of time, but now he's sort of evolved into this dark red, um, almost black in some, you know, instances, and he's very well known, more known for that. But if you're looking to read sort of like a, a flash to the past, um, pick that one up. That's definitely a, a great read. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Joe Quesada, uh, Kevin Smith's run on Daredevil, very monumental, um, that, and then leading into Brian Bendis and Alex Maleev's run as well. Um, pick those up. Those are all going to be on the list of the must-reads of, of, of Daredevil. Uh, and that leads us to what's going on in Daredevil right now, which has been, um, the, the, the I guess it's the current volume, um, although it really kicked off in 2011 with Mark Wade and Paula Rivera, um, and it's really about what Emily was talking about in terms of... Uh, sort of the visual world of what it looks like, what it feels like and looks like to be Daredevil, uh, Paolo really found a way to um, define that visually in a way that is also is just really enticing to look at and makes you feel very involved in, in the comics experience. Uh, but this was a completely different status quo. Um, Mark wanted to pull away from sort of the, the depressive antics of Matt Murdock. And when Matt suddenly decides... He goes through a lot before that, you know. Uh, he ends up sort of his body is inhabit- inhabited by uh, like some demon or something like that. I forget what it is, but um, he's not Daredevil for a while, or he's not Matt, Matt Murdock, Murdock for a while, and he comes back out of that. And um, Mark wanted to sort of switch the light on and tell a story about what happens when Matt Murdock decides to be positive and um, how he reacts and how sort of his supporting cast reacts to the fact that Matt Murdock is not sort of moping around and being like, oh, I have to get the bad guy. He, you know, he sort of dives in, ready to go. And, um, you know, the entire experience of reading Daredevil has been very much lightened up and there's a lot more of sort of, uh, there's a bit more comedy to it. Um, But what I think Mark has done so beautifully in this series is still reminding us that Daredevil and Matt Murdock, like the core of who they are is still very much in there. Even though he's he's trying to be um, this positive person, like he's still someone who suffers from depression and he struggles with it. Um, so sort of that, that, that comp, so him sort of combating himself and his tendency to sort of go dark, even though he wants to be sort of this positive light is something that you see the evolution of. As soon as you pick up Mark Wade's like first first issue, and as to where we are now, um, it's a really interesting evolution as to those moments where he starts thinking about, is this how I want to be? Do I want to go darker? Am I, or do I want to, how, how positive can I stay, even though things are being thrown at thrown at him, that it gets very, very difficult. And we're actually at a place where we're, we're escalating significantly. Um, it, it does get a little bit darker. Uh, it definitely gets very, very creepy. Um, and uh, we are sort of wrapping up uh, Chris Wade, Chris Wade, <laughs> uh, Mark Wade, and, and Chris Samney's run right now, which will end um, with issue eighteen, uh, which I believe will be in September of this year. So, if you are not reading Daredevil right now, there's a jumping on point 
really anywhere based on all of the, the, the recommendations we made. But um, if you want to get caught up uh, with Daredevil currently, I highly recommend reading um, Mark Wade's current run. Uh, a lot of this is on the Marvel Unlimited app. A lot of Daredevil, the sort of the, the backlist of Daredevil is up on there. Um, or you can obviously go to your local comic shop, pick up the volume, trade paperbacks, because these are definitely classics. And you can also, if you have, if you ever have any questions about anything really that has to do with the Women of Marvel podcast or anything we talk about, please email us at womenof@marvel.com, and we'll definitely try to ask, answer your question as fast as possible. Or you can also tweet at Marvel, um, hashtag Women of Marvel, and Adri will answer your questions. Ooh. Magic. Yeah. So uh, thanks, Sada, for helping us out. <laughs> uh, you're you're welcome, you guys. I think. I, I feel guess. like I threw you to the wolves for this one. <laughs> I don't know. I was, she had a cheat sheet, though. It's okay. I, I, well, I did have a cheat sheet, but I also. Um, she knows her stuff. I've also read some Daredevil comics. I guess just <laughs> <laughs> a few. So um, for all those must reads, um, we'll, we'll we will be posting the link to the uh, there's there's all those that Sana talked about and I recommended plus more that you guys can go find um, and then from there like dig them up in uh, Marvel Unlimited. Uh, and obviously, uh, you know, we're talking as Daredevil is now playing live on Netflix. Yeah, binge watch it. Uh, it's amazing. It's it's dark. It's uh, it's deep. It's 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 a little. Um, I ha- I have to say, like, I've never seen the Marvel universe this way in terms of what we've done before. Um, and I'm as a fan. I'm speaking as a fan. I'm not speaking as a Marvel employee because. We do not work on the television series. Um, it was just something that I think we we've needed to do for a while. Um, this is very much our, our this is our street level uh, television show, um, a street level version of the Marvel Universe again in, in TV form, and um, the sort of the acting uh, and the the cinematics. Oh my God, just absolutely stunning. Oh, and also it's not for kids. So yeah. we recommend watching it before you show it to your kids because there's a lot of violence, violence. and gore. Well, we don't recommend showing it to your kids. <laughs> but, well, there's, you know. But I will say that the, the violence is, uh, it's not unnecessary. There, there is a, a moment uh, where you work, there is violence and, and Wilson at the same time. And it is intense but also you sort of leave that the scene ends and you're you're like you're literally like shaking because you're like I see the power that Wilson Fisk is and what he will become in this series and Karen Page is also a pivotal character she is she is deep and she's interesting and and I think Deborah Ann Wall who we will have um with an interview with her next week uh is doing a great job mm-hmm. with her uh so super excited I've only seen a couple episodes I'm excited to see the rest mm-hmm Absolutely. It's the first time I haven't been able to binge watch an entire Netflix series in one sitting. So that's because I I wasn't allowed. (laughs) (laughs) They wouldn't let me. (laughs) So uh, hopefully all of you are uh, listening to this first and then going and watching the Netflix series. Uh, Tell us what you guys think about the series. Tweet at us. Um, we have all got our Twitters. Uh, I am OMG underscore GJ underscore Judy. I'm at Emily underscore Shasha. I almost forgot. Sorry. That took a long time. <laughs> uh, and I am Mini B 622 
Mine is the best social media name because all y'all just have random numbers yeah. and words. <laughs> uh, it's my name, at Adri Cowan. I will say that if you ever meet me, the OMG makes sense. <laughs> Mine will never make sense. <laughs> Mine so great. is great except for the underscore, all right? I almost got oh, it. Yeah. Yeah. So close. That's all right. That's all right. Um, we hope that you guys enjoyed our uh, uh, recap of, uh, of Daredevil and what we've been doing. We're super excited. Uh, April kicks off spring and movie season, TV season. Uh, we've got some pretty exciting podcasts coming up with interviews. If you guys have any suggestions or questions, always email us at womanof at marvel.com. Uh, I think that's it. Does anyone else have anything else they want to say? We love you guys. Love you. Thanks for listening. Wait, wait, wait. Don't leave yet. We've got two exciting ladies to join the podcast because we have some exciting news uh, if it hasn't been released yet, but... The Avengers Age of Ultron premiere, the L.A. world premiere, will be live on April 13th here on Marvel.com. And we're bringing the two hosts of our Marvel live stream. Ladies, introduce yourselves. Hi, this is Lorraine Sink. You guys probably remember my face sometimes from The Watcher and the Marvel Minute, but I'm really excited about who's joining us. We have Tamara Kritzky. Yay! Yay! I'm so, so happy to be joining my redheaded friend yes. for some big old red Marvel power um, for the domination. premiere. Yeah. So for those listening at home, you might recognize Tamara's voice from the previous uh, Captain America Winter Soldier red carpet, right? Mm -hmm. And you joined us for the San Diego Comic-Con um, live stream. Yes, I traditionally do the Marvel premieres, the live premieres that we do in Hollywood, which we stream so that you guys can watch them as they're happening. And I got to go to Comic-Con with you guys for the first time this year in San Diego, which was a blast. And I learned something very interesting about you, that you are not only a Marvel lady, but you're also a big science geek, which I was very excited about when I, I was like, what? <laughs> I am, I am. I'm actually part of a group called Sirens, S-C-I-R-E-N-S, -E and it is a play on screen sirens for science. We are four actresses who are focused on um, advocating for science literacy in the general public and creating science-infused entertainment in all forms. That's amazing. I didn't know that. Look, yeah. I learned something today. The more you know. The more you know. Ding. Also, for you guys can't see at home, but both these ladies have the same hair color. <laughs> <laughs> As you guys will see uh, on Monday on the live stream. However, you will be able to tell us apart yes. because Lorraine is about a foot taller than I am. So. <laughs> yes, we have a slight size difference, but equally ginger. Equally ginger. Which is the most important part. Exactly. That's very exciting. So, obviously, the cast and crew that's going to be attending the live car the, the red carpet is going to be above and beyond amazing. How do you guys prepare for something like that? Very carefully. Yes. I'm. This is my first time doing the red carpet. I'm really excited to be joining, so I'm learning the ropes right now. Uh, and Tamara's a veteran by now. <laughs> she knows everything. I've been going to her for lots of advice, but... We, we get a little bit of help from our friends. Uh, we definitely get lots of notes, and we get to, you know, get tip sheets of who all is attending, and they tell us a little bit about everybody who is going to be there. I'm also very lucky. We both are to often be interviewing these people out and about, so some of them we already have relationships with, which is really nice. Yeah, one of the things that we try and do at the premieres is really try and bring a little bit extra to you guys as you're watching it so that we can sort of inject a bit more of the Marvel Universe into what's happening. Because it's one thing to go to a red carpet premiere and, you know, say, hey, what are you wearing? But really, the reason they do these live premieres are because we have such wonderful fans. So to be able to bring a little bit of... Um, 
you know, a, just something that you guys haven't seen before um, is, is really important to us. And that's why we do a lot of research. Mm -hmm. We, um, I mean, I look at old interviews to see what's been talked about. I, I will admit I kind of stalk the actors' Twitter feeds for a yeah. little while <laughs> before we do this. That, that is my secret hosting tip. Um, I mean, and, you know, we're lucky in that way. We have social media now, and so actors communicate a lot more directly with, uh, with their fans. And so it's a really nice way to get some insight into what they're interested in. And speaking a little bit extra, uh, we're actually going to be debuting a never-before-seen clip during the live stream, so you should definitely tune in and stick with us all night long because that's definitely going to be happening, and I'm very excited to see what it's going to be. And along those lines, too, I think what's really fun about the red carpet is we do try to you know, share a lot of interesting fun facts about the film, about the way it was made, about the venue, about the actors, as well as a lot of cool stuff from the comic backgrounds, which you might not know. So even if you're not there for the celebrities, you're going to learn tons of cool fun facts about the movie and beyond. And that's one of the reasons I'm so, so glad that Lorraine is joining us for the live <laughs> red carpet this year, because, you know, I love, I love all my stuff, but she is here, you know, creating content for you guys on a regular basis. So to have her out there as part of our team, I cannot wait. There should be more east-west I was going to say like conflagrations and that is not the right word. <laughs> Combination, collaboration. Collaborations. I like it. I like it. I know it was really nice to you'll see if you check out the Marvel Minute on Monday tomorrow's kind of stop in and give us some of her star power. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it was so nice to be like, "Oh, look at it. There's two of us. It's it's nice." Exactly. It's, Do you other, stand on a box, Tamara? <laughs> Wow, okay, that was Judy. <laughs> Judy, you totally gave away my secret. That was not one of my hosting secrets I was going to give away. But yes, I am I am one of the more petite hosts out there. I'm about five feet tall. And as you guys know, a lot of the gentlemen and ladies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe are, are quite statuesque. So in order to frame things up properly, um, they give me what's called an apple box, which is about a six-inch box that I stand on and, and puts us in the same frame. However, I have to give total props to our Turner production team because when they, the first time they came aboard when we were doing the live stream and they, they saw that I needed some assistance, they said, well, let's do this in a creative way. So the next time it came around for, um, it was Captain America, Marvel's Captain America Winter Soldier, um, they actually brought me a capel box which was a hex and no an octagon shaped box that they painted like cap shield. That's that amazing. So it awesome. was awesome. I'm very jealous. I'm so tall right now. I feel like I need that. See, I, I love when you're around because when we're on the live stream, I'm like just above the table, <laughs> and then everyone else is like, Burr. and then then you come and I'm like, oh look, it's some of my height. Exactly. We just kind of peek over and see what's going on. So for those who are short people out there, there's a future for you. Don't you worry. Hey, small but mighty. Exactly. Exactly. Large personalities. Exactly. And and for those of you who are really tall, I'll join you in not wearing heels. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's gonna be a lot more comfortable than I am. <laughs> that really is my superpower: the ability to stay in four-inch heels during a live premiere for many hours. That should be a superpower. Yeah. I'm sure there's an X-Man with that. Yeah. Right? Or if not, we should make one. Yeah. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, obviously, we're super excited for the premiere we're going to have. I'm not sure if we can say who's going to be on the red carpet yet, but they might be in a movie poster that you guys have seen that happens to have the Avengers on it. I, I will say that these Avengers like to assemble. So, And they, I believe, stop me if I'm wrong, that this will be the first time that we will see all of them together, or most of them together, in the same place since Comic-Con. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it'll be your first chance to see them all assemble together in real life. 
Yeah, and we're going to have a really amazing turnout. You know, it is a Marvel Universe, so I'm having a feeling we might see more people from the MCU. Yes, so. that's actually one of my favorite parts mm -hmm. of doing the live streams. A lot of people who perhaps are not in the particular film that's being premiered show up just to support, which is really awesome. Plus, they're always really nice and relaxed because they're just here to have a good time. I know, and we'll have some toys on the red carpet, which I'm always excited about. We have some cool things coming up. We also have a selfie uh, station for Samsung, which I think is going to be really That's cool. amazing. Yeah. yeah. And we're going to have a car from the film, I believe, displayed. It's going to be a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of neat stuff going on. And if you guys have questions for any of the talent, we would love to know what they are. So you can yeah. tweet at us. I'm at Tamara Krinsky, T-A-M-A-R-A-K-R-I-N-S-K-Y, at Tamara Krinsky. And I'm at Lorraine Sink. And just you Google it. <laughs> wow. I just, I just quit. I just quit. Also, make just sure <laughs> tweet at Marvel. Um, and what we're really saying is there's going to be so many people that you should tune in right as it starts, 6.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, which mm -hmm. means it's 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard for those New Yorkers out there. So, And we will be live tweeting, live photo posting. We'll have a gallery. We're going to have all this stuff. Hashtag yeah. Avengers Premiere. And what's the website? Marvel.com slash Avengers Premiere. Everything's Avengers Premiere all day, every day, all the time. We want you guys to comment on this podcast right now as we speak because, one, that's good for the women of Marvel. Two, we want to know how you feel about the Avengers Premiere. Hashtag Avengers Premiere. Yeah, so make sure you rate us on iTunes. Thanks for listening, as always. We're super excited to have these two lovely ladies join us, plus the all-huge podcast we just did with Daredevil. So if you guys have any questions, make sure you email at us, womanof at marvel.com, or tweet at us, hashtag womanofmarvel. Plus, make sure you tune in on Monday. Yeah! Yay! Avengers premiere, woo! We will see you guys then. This is Marvel, your universe. <laughs>